I went out into nature for the first time and I, I put on the internet that I, I found God because I didn't know what else to call it. Even that word doesn't feel strong enough, but like that also has been a big spiritual thing. I think this is what happens when you like finally, you're so tightly wound for so long, you finally can't hold it together, you break open and then you're just like, oh fuck. And everything is like, you're open to everything and everything comes flooding in. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out Mopad. how to do life. Mopad. But it turns out Mopad. nobody knows I just um, I had a, a moment before I said hello where I felt very anxious about how to say hello. And within a split second, I'd convinced myself that there would be people listening. And then the second they heard me say hello, they'd go, oh, what a bad podcast. And they'd turn it off. Uh, I'm being honest about that just because my anxiety is um, officially through the roof, I think it's safe to say. I, uh, I tried to go on vacation recently. Uh, I booked a, an Airbnb it's just a few hours outside of London, but it was meant to have like a pool and uh, a hot tub. And then turned out I hadn't read the small print, so the the pool and the hot tub were shared with other people. And no- nothing is as anxiety-inducing as other people. And I realized on this holiday, which is the first I'd taken in a few years, that I can't holiday. Like I can't because. I basically have uh, suffer from extreme PTSD, and that's in my head. So I'm not normally stressed. Like my brain thinks I'm about to get like killed by a lion, and if I'm in a cabin in the woods in a hot tub, my brain just thinks I'm going to be killed by a lion in a cabin in the woods in a hot tub. So I was just like in this very expensive cabin cottage, whatever it was. <clears throat> taking multiple multiple baths a day because that was the closest thing I could get to a pool <laughs> and I was just like oh well it's the same problem isn't it like I'm still stressed because the stress has nothing to do with you know having too much work to do it has all to do with uh, my brain being broken and my amygdala I think is the part that my lizard brain thinking we're constantly under attack so that was a sort of a waste of money but I I did get very clean from all the baths, if that if that's a thing. You know, I got too anxious to go outside and enjoy nature, so so I didn't I didn't get much of that. <laughs> uh my back was fucked throughout the whole thing, so it's not like I could really sit up and do a lot of work to then catch up with the work I wasn't doing. <laughs> so I would be less stressed. So all in all it was a very expensive just doing what I usually do at home, but um, in a cottage, interrupted by baths. So, and I didn't, and I also, it was, it was so much smaller, and, like, the quality was worse than it had said on the Airbnb, and I should have left, like, I couldn't get myself to leave a, I couldn't get myself to leave a bad review. I mean, I shouldn't have left a bad review, but I would have. I would have left to be honest and be like, for the price, it's not this good. A bit cheaper would have been amazing, but I just couldn't. So I was just like, yeah, it's perfect. Because I just felt so bad and I felt so guilty, and I was scared that she would that she like knew who I was, and then then she would 
I mean, again, it's my brain being like, she's the lion who's gonna eat you. Where actually, if I was not uh, severely mentally ill, then I would probably be um, more chill about, well, everything, to, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I, I just want to be... Can I just be the level of influencer where people give me holidays for free, please? Is there anyone listening who can, who can give me a holiday? <laughs> all I want is a place with no people with easy access to food. That's all I want. Is that so, is that, is that so much to ask? Uh, I managed to mention that someone had gotten in touch about like a travel thing, but I don't think that ever worked out. I mean, what a first world problem. Is that what they say? Well, it's not, is, is it when it's about mental health? Anyways, my point being, I can't go on holiday. Well, I can, but it's a waste of money because it's not actually helping. It's not actually helping. Uh, what I should do is go to therapy, <laughs> which I also am doing. I'm uh, currently contacting, apart from the two experts in my condition that I'm seeing at the moment, I have to see like two additional experts which makes me feel real special and actually and I mean I, I don't like to brag but um, <laughs> uh, my therapist was like I have never seen I've never seen this before and then I jokingly like said like oh we could call it this as like the condition and she was like oh my god that's perfect I'm gonna start using that and tell my colleagues and I was like <gasps> I, I mean imagine if that's what I'm remembered for having coined like a, a psychological illness, like the name. And uh, this patient had blah blah, which is a, a phrase originally, uh, a name originally coined by a uh, comedian, Sophie Hagen, who, um, who demanded that her therapist would credit her in every single, every single mentioning of this term. Anyways, imagine if that's my legacy. I'd fucking love that. Because honestly, if anyone else suffers from this and no one knows how to fix it i would love to be the reason why uh why there's a name that people can maybe in 20 50 i don't know years be like oh you suffer from the blah blah and then they can be like oh finally someone can fix it and not be in the pos position that i'm in where big question mark anyways that's me oversharing uh, which I guess is the entire point. I'm on tour at the moment. I will be in Ferrum, New Milton, York, Sheffield, Lancaster, Didcot, Aldershot, Canterbury, Glasgow, Colchester, Cambridge, Norwich, Norwich, Leeds, Alnwick, Folkestone, Cardiff, Bristol, and a lot more will be announced. For example, Brighton. Uh, and I record this almost a month in advance. So do go to sophiehagen.com forward slash tour to see uh, what else has been added and do go get your tickets. Sign up for my newsletter while you're at it as well. I'm going to let you listen to this episode with the incredible Jess Baker. I love oracle cards and angel cards. And essentially for people who are very skeptical, I just tell them to think of them like horoscopes because that's so acceptable now. It's just like, if it resonates with you, it probably will because it's universal. Uh, if it resonates with you, take it and run with it. But it, for me, it is part mental health routine in the morning. I need tangible. Oh my God. I'm also really obsessed with ways to connect your mind and your body through anything. That's what kind of why I like crystals too. And Oracle cards, because you are setting intentions and being very, very conscious about 
uh, how you're going to show up in the world for yourself and others while holding these cards or while holding these rocks. And there is that mind-body connection that happens that's really, really beautiful. And so I do that every morning. So I, you know, do like the cards and there's a layout and it's like, you, normally what I do is like past, present, and future messages. And then I take whatever meaning I want from that. Um, and, you know, there's sprays and all, I don't know. There's just like this amazing routine that I do every morning that I, all I know is that it works and it's grounding. I also see a psychic. Yeah. Who is my favorite. And she's social justice based and very, very, uh, blunt and honest. And I love her. And she told her name is Chrissy Tully. I just changed my life. I went because my friends loved her. And she was like, Jess, here's what you do with this information that I just gave you from the angels on the other side of the like universe. Like, <laughs> literally, she has angels or spirits. She calls it the spirit. Talk through her. She's a medium. And then, you know, I'm sitting there and just being like, sifting here to like, listen, let's see what happens. And the shit that comes out is so helpful. And she was like, here's what you do. You just pretend like this is a big game of of imagination and you just imagine that it's real for fun you know you're imagining and it will start to work and then you'll be like i don't know how this is happening but now it's real so you just play the imagination game until it starts to help i think that's uh, i'm kind of tired of skeptics not like in that fine it's whatever but it's the people who have to say oh it's a it's a Oh, it's not real. It's not. Doesn't work. You know, like fucking people do it with, with vitamins, and it annoys me. <laughs> it annoys me so much. Just let me fucking take my vitamin C and like make me feel like I'm doing something. For myself, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Same with ghosts and everything else. I'm just like, oh fuck you. You just had to be heard saying something clever, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's an easy way to be clever. It's very easy to be like, me. So I love that. That's interesting. That's, that's, that's yes. You're right. right? I think it's, yes, it, it feels it is. like it feels like. Do you know what it feels like? It feels like me when I was 17. I know. I'm trying to think of when I would do that all the time. Why did yeah. I do that? Why was I, I so was compelled? I was so atheist. I was so like, mil- I was like Ricky Gervais atheist. Like, no, why would you be so stupid to think that was a Me too, when I was 20. Guy. Like, yeah. And was it because we were hurt by something? Why, why were we dicks like that? I think it made me feel better about myself. Like, it made me feel clever. Superior. Oh. I think I felt superior. Like so, I had realized some truth and other people were just dumb, dumb mm. idiots for needing something. And I like to frame it in my head that they needed this because they were dumb. Mm. And I didn't need it because I was clever. Interesting. Where actually the strength, I think, lies in in believing in something you don't know. Right? Yeah. That's way more brave. That is way more of someone who just, oh, like, I, I remember, and it's a very bad thing I did. <laughs> uh, going on a class trip to Berlin with the religion class and the history class, I think, or like whatever it's called, and, at school. So we had to go into a synagogue, a mosque, a cathedral. Interesting. And a Protestant church. Maybe there was like a fifth as well, like a Buddhist something. Just like because I had to learn about all the religions, yeah. and it was like a way of justifying going to another country. <laughs> and in every single place, I would be left behind to like argue with whoever, whatever imam mm. or religious leader or whatever who, priest 
was there, I'd just be like, prove it. <laughs> but prove that God is real. And they'd yeah. be so patient with me. And they would be so nice. And I would just be this dickhead being like, you can't prove it. Show me a picture. And every time they'd just be like so full of love and compassion and understanding and patience. And they'd just be like, this is what it means to me. This is how I believe. And I was just, I don't know why I thought I, as a 16-year-old, like what was I going to do be like but God isn't real and then have like a 60 year old imam be like oh shit you're right oh no <laughs> oh you just convinced me like fuck off right yeah. but I, it gave me so much of because I was just fighting but I was actually not fighting anything I was just fighting myself and they were right. just like watching me basically punch myself in the face with stupid words right yes and then that basically describes all of my 20s <laughs> yeah and then you grow up and then you're like oh no wait okay yeah, I get it. And mm. then you still see people like Ricky Gervais or fucking even Stephen Fry at times. But we're like, this is, it's embarrassing having to retweet a celebrity who believes in God and going, no, oh, you're dumb. Like, all right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I did. I think when I left Mormonism, I did. I didn't doubt the intelligence because I have so many brilliant fucking friends of very, very close friends from university that, or college um, that are still Mormon. And I, smarter than me, intellectually, far more brilliant, and still Mormon. Um, and so I knew it wasn't an intellect, an intellect thing. But I, I do think I also had that same type of judgment of, like, I am stronger because I don't need this. Mm. And now I think I'm at the point, this Benjamin Button shit, where, like, I'm, like, back and I'm, like, I am very weak. I need <laughs> lots of, like, support. Where are my angel cards? You know, like, that type of thing. Oh, you realize that you... What you you still needed something, but what you your atheism became your yes your new your new shit to believe in, right? And then the activism became the thing to believe in. God, there's so much to that. Because there's so many rules in activism. There's so many yes. guidelines. It does tell you. It doesn't tell you tell. But it does tell you how to. It does dress and how to behave, what to say, where to go. Yes. You know, and it also makes you feel like you are doing something for someone else because you always have to be very. And you can feel there are people in the community who are... And you can tell that on comments as well, right? Like, you can tell that when people are religiously aggressive about... And not, I don't mean people who are actually fighting, you know? I, I, but there are, like, groups of people right. who react. Yes. Where you're like, there's something... What you're doing right now is not helpful, but what you... And this is mostly you. You're doing something for you right now, but you're making it sound like you're doing it for a group of people. But you're yes, not. yes, yes. Like I've had people attack, tra- like my, in a better comments, fans have attacked trans rights activists for misgendering me by yes. calling me the wrong pronoun. <clears throat> but there's no such thing as a wrong pronoun because I use all pronouns, right. and there's no reason for you to be aggressive because you're meant to be an ally, and you need to do what's helpful, which is not to be aggressive and. I was like, you just want to be the person who's like, oh, actually, yeah. you know? Yeah. So for you, for that, that's a religion too. That's another kind of religion. And another Can we talk of... about that? Yeah. Can we talk about that correlation? Yeah, please. No, I, I want to hear your thought. Like, what do you On think? the correlation between the... Religion and activism. I think that's it, isn't it? It's, a, it's another group to belong to. It's another feeling of home, my people. It's another feeling of just tell me what to do so I'll do them. Which I think is why nuance is so lacking and why it's so much about how to be seen doing the right thing and not 
like I think a lot of the stuff I've learned from about Islam is how much of it is between you and God mm-hmm. and how little of it has to be performative mm-hmm. and I don't think we like something that isn't performative no, because it's, it's your thing of if I don't shine on the internet yeah. do I exist yeah. right if they don't see me being this activist person am I even doing anything do I even have an identity what do you think There's a million things clicking in my head. I'm thinking of the Kurt Vonnegut quote that talks about how he identifies as a humanist. Mm. I think it's man without a country. I think. Um, but the, in my tw- so in, so in my twenties, I worked at a bookstore that was very pretentious for being. My identity was I was a hipster and an atheist. I was very cool, very cool. <laughs> Owned lots of cool things, therefore was very cool. Had lots of opinions about how what I hated. Very cool. Um, I hated Oprah's book club. I was just thinking about this as you were talking about like so many people who are like, oh, things, you know, everybody likes this one thing. I hate it. And how clever that is. That was me in Oprah's book club until I fucking read one of the books from Oprah's book club and it was fucking good. And I was like, oh, (laughs) there's a reason that millions of people read these books. It's actually a good list. Oh, anyways. Uh, I was really loved Kurt Vonnegut, which I haven't researched how problematic he is, so I might get canceled for this, but um, that's cool. I'm learning to live in the gray. Um, He wrote about how he's a humanist. I really identified with this, though, even in my 20s. And a humanist is someone who does um, good things in the world without the promise of gifts in the afterlife, essentially. And that was the first time I'd ever read anything that really identified with. And I feel like um, that's been true for me spiritually and still is still is um but i think that if we were to to kind of look at activism social fat well i don't know what to call it actually um i know body image is not the right term but let's Mm. body social justice activism that world that you and i both live in if we were to look at that as religion um there's, there's so, for, Stacey Bias was the first one who connected this for me. Um, that a lot of people who grow up in a very formal, structured, organized religion, when they leave, I'll just talk about myself, Mormonism, um, I did go through that really weird, you know, hipster bit where I didn't know who I was, I just knew I liked drinking and doing drugs, um, that we then find a replacement which sometimes is activism, because it is literally, the, it can be, when used incorrectly, I'm going to just say that, because I believe that this is an incorrect way to use activism, because it's ultimately harmful. When used incorrectly, can replace, um, and it uses the same structure as organized religion, where there's a right and a wrong way to everything. So there's that black and white thinking um, that doesn't leave any room for nuance. There is um, good and bad, heaven, hell, and then the performance part and if you think, so there's so much there, so much there. And for me, I keep thinking of me as a Mormon being like, and there's like a really great part to it as well, right? You're like, this thing really helps me. I want to share it with you. Um, Mormons are famous for missionaries all over the world, right? And even though I didn't go on a mission, I would be like, I just want to tell you about God. And like literally people who were 12, I was 12, they would send us to go out um, to other 12-year-olds who hadn't been to church in five years because they didn't want to go. And I would go bother them once a week until they were like, can you please not come back? Like, that's how annoying it was. But I was just like, I love Jesus. I want you to love Jesus. And so there's this, I found out about diet culture and it's like fucking robbed me my whole life. 
and I want to tell you about it. That's the great part. The, the part where it gets really toxic is when we start to use the structure from organized religion that really starts to harm people, where um, there's the exclusion, the hierarchy, the being so zealous to the point where there isn't actual critical thinking, yeah? There's no thinking, where you, where you kind of live by this rule book, mm. and you lose the nuance of anything that's involved. And I'm thinking about this doing without any promise of gifts in the future, and I'm just thinking of how performative social justice is and that's such a struggle. But also because I, I feel like there's such a lack of... We're not even... A, so what, what I've been trying to get my head around is the idea that two things can be right and wrong at the same time. Yes. Which I don't think we're equipped to fully comprehend. Yeah, it's hard. I say we because I, I struggle to figure it out. But, the, you know, the situation of calling out, right? Yeah. The right. right thing to do right. is to call out right. and call in. Right. And when you do do that, the right thing to do is to also express your emotions because you've been oppressed your entire life and you're not going to be tone policed because fuck that. Mm -hmm. Like The right thing to do for you is to express your emotions, be angry, be aggressive, be hardcore, call people out on their bullshit, don't hold back. That is also the wrong thing to do because that only makes people not listen to you. Uh, the right thing to do is to control your emotions and call in and do it in a very nice, polite, and patient way because that is how you get people on board. But that's also Depends who the you wrong are, thing though. to do because you should yeah. also express your emotions. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like something can be... Oh, yes. No, absolutely. Yes, both two completely opposite yeah. polar situations are both right and wrong. Yeah. And how do we even... Right? And some of them are even neutral and mean absolutely nothing. Mm. It, that's... Yes, absolutely. And I think some of it too, figuring, so some of the, some of the things that you just gave, to me, my brain sorting it out, which does like mm -hmm. to, we like to categorize and do, my mm -hmm. brain categorizes the way everybody else's does. What I was hearing is so many different identities depending on who you are, where you live, your experience, all, like so many factors come into, comes into play when it comes to what the quote unquote best, I don't know what to call the most effective mm. st next step is, and I don't even think we really know enough about ourselves to be able to make that decision sometimes. Then it's also effective and then yeah. right, which might right. not also be right, or like what's useful, or what is emotionally right, yes. or what is practically right, yeah. and then also how can we do the right thing in a world built on all the wrong things? Yes. You know? We all have to make money. Yes. We all have to make decisions that are shitty because otherwise, if we did all the right things all the time, we, we wouldn't be able to live, right? Correct. And there's no space for that. There's no space. And I think, and, well, what I think there could be space in that, circling back to the thing you were talking about in the beginning of all the work you do that's invisible, in the invisible stuff, when it's one-on-one -on -one or in a tiny group, there's definitely space for that because we could have these conversations and we can look everyone in the eyes and make sure, okay, we're all on board with this and what we're doing. Mm -hmm. On the internet, though, mm -hmm. where there's everyone, mm -hmm. how do we get that into an Instagram post and how do we get that into right. a tweet? And I think I've had to come to the realization for me that I can't. Mm. And so there's been... Um, I was talking to um, someone who is... Um, reaches a lot of people in the fat activism who's talking about, you know, forming this 
<clears throat> forming a, a collective, a collective, which I find very interesting because I think we all know that there's across the board, right? There's no like, we're all going to agree and disagree on mm -hmm. things and there's not one linear actual like there isn't anyways we don't agree on everything the activists don't all get along and we're all wounded and we all have our own shit and also to, based on our life we have different experiences and goals <clears throat> and flags that we carry so a collective is a very interesting idea talking to this person who does political um, campaigning and also just lives in that world very professionally, very good. And so hearing like kind of what would need to happen for a fat collective to exist is fascinating. But I think that that's very important. And because the, the, I think the most important thing that came out of 2019 for me was when I went to Alaska and there's this book Against Purity. And Which I've bought twice. Twice. Yeah, because I gave it away to someone for Christmas. Yeah. To someone, to Will Duggan, who's my supporter. And then I bought it again. Oh, that was a good gift. I haven't gift. read it yet, but I want to. Yeah. Alexis Shotwell wrote it, and um, I, got, I got to hear her speak in Alaska, which I went out into nature for the first time, and I, I put on the internet that I, I found God uh, because I didn't know what else to call it. Even that word doesn't feel strong enough, but like that also has been a big spiritual thing. I think this is what happens when you like finally... You're so tightly wound for so long, you finally can't hold it together. You break open, and then you're just like, oh, fuck. And everything is like you're open to everything, and everything comes flooding in. But she wrote Against Purity, which is this book that essentially the... It's obviously very complicated. But she does this theory work in Canada, in academia, but is very accessible. She tends to focus on environment and disability justice, but her premise in Against Purity, and this is my 2020 let's fucking get messy and do this, is, and, and you've written about this, and I think this for me is so important. The issues that we have in our world right now, this is her premise, are so huge that they cannot be solved by one person. And um, if you, we kind of look back at, like, you know, a couple decades ago, there was the, um, you could be the one guy, you know, usually white cis man, to make it big, right? You could be... The, um, it's the American dream. The, it? Yeah, it's exactly yeah. that. And we really, and we did have that. We had Bill Gates, we had Mark Zuckerberg, we had all these people. These, this one person, and we're not in that place anymore. Um, I, when it comes to idealists, um, idealism in the U.S., we're not there anymore. We're definitely looking at more groups, but in general, the world at, globally. Alexis talks about how the issues that we have are so big that they cannot be solved by one person, um, ever ever again. It's so huge, all of them. And so her approach is two-part. One is on an individual level, we must come to terms with how we are complicit in fucking up the world we are trying to save. Mm. How we, for me, how I am still fatphobic in certain ways, how I am still racist, how I'm still ableist, I'm still classist. I, All of the ways that mm. I am complicit in this arena that I'm actually trying to offer a solution to. Mm -hmm. And we can't do anything until we do that. Mm -hmm. That's number one. The yeah. internet cannot get on board with that yeah. yet. We can't do it. It's so hard for no us. Perfect. No, everyone is fucked half, up. Half <laughs> everyone else. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm not. 
actually not. You're the you're the you're the exception. There's always an exception. Heard. You're it. Everyone's beautiful. But everyone else, <laughs> we're so complicit, and we have to we have to really fucking take a hard mm. look at that. That's the mm. first step. And the second step is then once we've done that in t- internal interrogation and acknowledge the fact, you know, she's an environmentalist, so that she has to like she has to drive her car. <laughs> Because this is the, the, she lives in Canada and like has to go get groceries and like these things that we do that are so imperfect and flawed and complicit. Even so, we have to look at that and acknowledge and know and then come together. And she believes in collectivism mm. that once we do that together as community, we will finally be able to at least broker some sort of um, way to slow down slash stop the harm being perpetuated it's really fascinating that i feel like that is a huge psychology question because so many people if not everyone everyone has trauma to do with guilt and shame and self-hatred and self-blame and self-esteem and all these things so to say to someone you are complicit i can i can sense how much emotion will come from that do you know what i mean yeah like how people will not be able to just be like, oh yeah, I'm essentially bad, and without understanding that that's not a, no no, I'm not saying you as a person is a piece of shit. I'm saying we're right. all collectively a pieces of piece, a lot of pieces of shit. Yes, and we have to just acknowledge that. And it's yeah. not, I don't need you to apologize. I don't need you to take up all the space with your guilt and your shame. This is not about your parents. This is not about. Yeah, let's just. But that requires for people to remove themselves from their yes. trauma and from yes. their emotions and yes. look at look at look at behavior in a practical, pragmatic way. Who the fuck can do that? Apart from me, because I'm a genius, right? Except for you. Yeah. And it all ties back to that fucking religious purity thing too, where we look at like people who we put on a pedestal. They're fucking prophets. Like they can do no wrong. Every fucking Mormon prophet has been like the most fucked up person, who has lied, had multiple wives, like cheated stole money all of the things right like we're not we don't allow people to be people and the people that we idealize are so flawed and we refuse to look at that so how could we possibly then it's like salt in the wound like we're not only not a prophet called of god you know but then we also have to look at our our failings within this religion that we belong to and, and it's just it's a, it's a clusterfuck yeah and we and don't then, we don't know how to do it all other parts of the culture with clean eating and yeah. You know, That's, yes, we're just talking about dieting. One piece. Mm-hmm. Everything. Everything is purity. Everything is. Everything is purity. It just know, shifts. Once a cheater, always a cheater. It's in love as well, isn't it? Mm. You know, if you love someone, you don't look at anyone else. If you eat something, you, if you're, you can only be a vegetarian where you never, ever, ever in your life ever again eat meat. You can't be. I meet, eat meat once every third week because what are you then? What's the word? You know what yeah. I mean? Like everything is built up around and sex obsolete. as well. Mm, yeah, for real, like gold star lesbian. How ridiculous is that, right? Oh, so does that mean you've Do only you... ever slept with? Yeah, have you not heard this before? No, I'm not uh, invited into the lesbian world. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all of those different kinds of things. There yeah. is that absolute, like the virgin, absolutism, the virgin. That what? Yes, it's not a th- like it's not a thing. Yes. So how do we? So <laughs> we fucked. Just so we fucked. Well, I, 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 I don't want to go on record saying anything very absolute. <laughs> but we're slow to change, aren't we? <laughs> As we were saying that, I was just thinking how interesting it would have been if I offered this information in a very different way. And I think that this is just my personal thing. But instead of saying, 
you have to, in order to change the world, you have to look at ways you're complicit. Alexis, when presenting, did not say it as strongly that okay. way. She probably said, um, we or yeah. I. I've realized that I need to look at the ways in which I am complicit. And if we were talking, like the way I you phrase it, it's so different. That, for me, that just requires, I, I'm back to the crying picture again, where people would then go, oh, Alexis is sad about how much she's complicit in the, you know what I mean? Because that requires people to be able to go, oh, she's actually, I should also do this. I mean, she's doing the right, probably doing the right thing. Do you know what I mean? It, well, there's a, nonviolent communication is a very fascinating, fascinating way to like communicate with people. I'm just thinking that you, you said no one will ever want to like look at those parts of themselves. And the answer is you're right. And I'm just wondering, like, oh. what are the ways in okay. which we can communicate so this better? So here's the better? question. What? What's the question? The fact, the, set, the penultimate question. So, going back to you and the internet, or us and the internet, so is part of what could be useful for us, would that be for us to be flawed on the internet? To show our complicitness? Without being like, oh, like, here's me being a piece of shit. Do you know what I mean? Because the more we're like, here's the right thing to do, are we then also stepping away from showing people that we are complicit? But if we also on the internet show that we are complicit, are we then harming the groups right. that we are showing that we are complicit in the oppression of? I'm going to slightly dodge around that with something I saw that may answer, but I don't have to actually answer that question. Okay. I think it was your fat friend who posted something that said, when you're trying to do better, when you're doing this work, fail in public. And I think that's the answer for me, is do better, try, like continue to do the work of whatever, needs, whatever it is that your work, everybody has their things that they're working on to at least minimize and eliminate, maybe eliminate oppression, but you're going to fuck up and do it in public. Um, because there is a vulnerability in that that's so scary, right? Because essentially, if we go back to religion, that's you going to hell. And people will probably tell you that you're going to hell. And that's very scary if you're a very religious person. Going to hell is very scary. Satan lives there. It's <laughs> like being canceled in our universe. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It is. And uh, being okay with that, that for me is the tricky part personally. Because I am so afraid of being a bad person. I don't want to be bad. That I'm afraid to fail in public. But I think that the majority of people hide, hide their failures. And the only ones that we see are the ones where they, they couldn't hide it if they wanted to. It was an absolute mistake. And they, if they could have hid it, they would have, right? Nobody wants to go through that. It's very painful. And people are very, very, it can be, depending on where your value lies with yourself, that would just be very, very hard for me. To have a massive fuck up publicly. Yeah, it's not fun. That's a lot to carry, but I think that if we were to all fail, I think the answer is we need to fail publicly while trying to do good, but then that is like asking people, I feel like really emotional. It's asking people to really, who are already going through so much shit, yeah? Yeah. 
just being human and then also in any way marginalized asking then to put yourself out there to be um attacked i was just gonna say crucified yeah yeah Yeah, publicly because you'd, you'd be one of the first or one of the only people to do that so people are not yet people will people will crucify you in this in the state of the internet right now as it is there is not space for for you to um not have an overwhelming amount of i don't know what to say will come your way but very hard things things that will probably make you cry a lot and i've i've watched this happen to many many people that i know and it's it's gotten to the point where it's, it's almost broken them yeah and it's so hard to say, and they be away. messy, and yeah. then people step away completely. They do. They 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 lose things. It breaks them. And there will be people who say they deserve it because they messed up. But what I would like to see is more of us trying harder and making more mistakes, so that we don't even have the time to focus on that one person who made one mistake, um, because we're all educating and healing. Collectively, that's so utopian. So utopian. I'm good with that. Ugh, that's a structure. We need to create that structure, though, to hold that. We don't have it right now, I don't think. Do you? Do we have a structure to hold that? Not without being able to identify what is emotion and what is not. And people can't do that. It's very hard. I'm part of a Facebook group for people who are severely, severely, severely traumatized, like really, really broken people. And all their stories from their past is like fucking, it will ruin you just to read one of them a day. Mm. And the way they communicate with each other, all these, the most fucked up people, is not in any way different from any other Facebook group about any other things. Interesting. Like, it's... So how do you expect people to be able to uh, to do that? That's basically it. Hello. Hello. We're just finishing up a recording. <laughs> cool. So can I answer the last question? Yes. Or do you have anything to add to this otherwise quite sad? Uh, <laughs> well, I just, I think that it's so enormous. It feels yeah. like just impossibly huge. For, for me, I think the work that I need to do there is to get comfortable with being wrong. Um, mm. When I mess up, I don't see it as I made a mistake. I see it as I'm a really terrible, horrible, bad person. Mm. And I try to be a good person. Not, And this is, might sound kind of corny, but um, like I genuinely try from a very, very real place to be a good person for other people. Um, that is so important to me. I don't know how I got this way. Blame it on my mom. Um, so to harm someone else is like gutting. Yeah. So for me, it, it might, it's kind of the idea of the sifting maybe again, yeah. like uh, be getting to a place where I trust that I'm a good enough person at the core that when I do fuck up and I get like, I don't know, blasted or just, you know, run over. Um, people telling me that I am I'm worth zero, that I can still hold on mm. to that identity of still being an okay person. That's the work I have to do in have order to Have you ever had the thing about the two thoughts? Like your initial thought, your instinct, yes. your first thought, yes. it's what you've been taught. Yes. And then the second thought is what you choose to think. Yes. And your second thought will always naturally be 
with good intentions and with a good heart and with a good thing. Oh no, I think I'm a shit person. I have to learn to have that be the core thought. My thought is no I'm a shit that. person, and then the second thought is, yeah, you're definitely a shit person. <laughs> no, but I mean, like everything you do that is damaging, which was what you know against purity. It's like we're all damaging. We're all pieces of shit, right? Yes. But that's not that doesn't say anything about you being a bad person. I don't think I've internalized that I'm. This does you? I don't. I haven't, haven't done that yet. Okay, okay, we'll do that. I'm not strong yet. There, I need to be. What you need to figure out is that you can be a good person who do bad things. I I know that logically. That's one thing okay. to know logically. Okay. It's the other to be able to hold on to that when people are like, "You are absolutely destroying our world," and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right, I am." And it's like every you know any good thing I've done goes out the window. Um, not that we tally them, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. You what just mean. can't hold on to it. I'm just I'm trying to fight against my like. I just want to fix it. So I want to be like, <laughs> okay, let's fix Jess's brain. Yeah. <laughs> might not be the No, time. I'm working on it. It's just a long, long, long road. But I, is, I'm working is. on it because I need to be able to have all of that, um, all of that, you know, run me over and still be okay. Yeah. That way I can feel more comfortable making mistakes in public. That is, I'm going to be messy in 2020 and I'm going to build up resilience and continue doing what I find very important work in the world regardless okay. i'll ask you the last question which i okay. asked you the last time as well hmm. but i feel oh, like yeah. maybe it's different now you know i stole this question what yeah i stole it one time i asked a couple friends and they were like you're so smart <laughs> that's the greatest question and i don't worry i gave you credit <laughs> so you know the question yeah you're in the delivery room senior tiny jess has just been born and she's crying because it's loud and this is noises and lights everywhere. And it's, she's like, what the fuck is this? I was in the room and it was all nice and quiet and warm. And what the fuck? Is this what life's going to be like? And she's looking at you. You're you now, holding yourself as a baby. You're 33? Mm-hmm. Holding tiny, tiny baby, Jess. And she's looking at you like, is this what life's going to be? Is this going to be lights and sounds everywhere? Is that what this is? That seems like bullshit. And you can say something to her about what life actually is. You can't change anything. You can't change the future. You can't give advice. None of that will matter because you can't change anything everything that happens from then on till now in your life will still happen exactly the same way you won't affect anything but you can tell this baby what will happen what you want her to know about the next 33 years of her life what would you say to teeny tiny baby you I would say <clears throat> one day you're going to whatsapp Sophie Hagen and it will be the best decision you've made you will end up in a cathedral about to go on stage with 11 brilliant people who are changing the world. And you won't know how the fuck you got there. She's going to ask you some really hard questions beforehand you won't know the answer to. That's okay. Then you're going to do a podcast and forget what you were going to say. I don't know. I feel like all of that. Uh, Sophie, I don't know how to end this. Maybe that's okay as well. Mm, it's here. It's here. It's Can I have a second? Yeah, of course. Okay.
I think after you, I think what I would just say is that after you end up in London, you're just going to realize how really, really fucking lucky you are. And it's really hard to remember that when things feel chaotic and out of control and you wonder why you do any of it. But there's moments in life where you get to stop at certain places with certain people. And they're so profoundly meaningful. And it's always worth it. Historically, it's always worth it. So keep doing those things. That doesn't make any sense, but that's what I would say. Do you still need to be told that? You're trying to make me cry on your podcast. I'm really mad. <laughs> I'm really really emotional. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great reminder. I think there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain, and we don't see when we're in it, we don't see the reason. I don't believe that, like, we need pain. Like, you know how people are always like, oh, it's, it's really good for you. I don't subscribe to, like, yay pain. Uh, but I think when we're in painful places in life, we don't truly understand that what comes next is worth it. It always is. That's what I would say. This is a good time to add to protect your stuff. That's what? To pluck you. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> find me at my therapist's office in a month <laughs> when I get back. <laughs> oh, I just feel like my thoughts are so jumbled. Um, yeah, I don't know. I sometimes blog at themilitantbaker.com and sometimes post crying pictures on Instagram at themilitantbaker. And I also do coaching um, justbaker.com. And no, you cannot have my phone number, but I am really good at WhatsApp videos. I have your phone number. Yeah, only Sophie gets that. But you can find me those other places. It's fun. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. You okay? Mm. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Uh, that's Jess Baker. What a, an amazing person. What an amazing person. Go to patreon.com forward slash Mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D, to hear her extra bit, the bit where I ask her about her um, uh, most embarrassing experience, her unpopular opinion, a recommendation from her, a life hack from her, all the things you really want. Go and sign up and give whatever you want, from starting from $1 per episode. It's in dollars. I think it's almost the same as pounds in terms of converting it, but don't put me up on that. I'm a tiny bit distracted recording this because I accidentally checked uh, my Instagram in the break and uh, someone I crush on, spoiler secret, uh, had messaged me that they really liked this podcast that my friends make. So now I'm like, oh my God, I can totally flex and be like, no, actually, that's my friends make that and then hopefully get some points. So that's why I was like, uh, 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 because, well, not that I'm usually like that, so it's fine. Anyways. If you become a friend of the podcast, you uh, that's if you give more than $5 per episode. I will say your name at the end of the episode, which is now. So I want to say a massive thank you to these people who make the biggest difference 
in my life for this podcast. I want to thank also a, an extra thing. Apart from having your name said out loud, I will just like remember you forever. Do you know? Like just when you come out to me and you're like, hi, my name is blah, blah. I'll be like, oh my God, I know you. I've said your name. I hope I've said it correctly. And people are always like, you haven't, but that's okay. <laughs> so these are the people whose names I will never forget. Big thank you to Andrea Papillon, Andrew January, Andy Walker. I've met Andy Walker. Anya Knoblog, Awesome Blue Sky, Barry Norton. I've met Barry Norton. Uh, uh, Caitlin Catposse. I've met Catposse. Uh, Cherry Windsor, Danny Beck. I'm not going to say this with everyone. Danny Beck, Danny Rivershead, Eleanor, Emma Chan, Fenella Don Privacy, Sora Aurora, Teratops. I think I've met. Gillian Anderson, Grace Ann, Hannah Rose Tristram, Hel Van Dyke. I think I've... No, I haven't met. I think. Harry Minot. Minot. Uh, Ida Sergolaus and Joe C, Kathleen Goodmanson, Kathy Lexabauer. I've met. I think I've met Kathy Lexabauer. Katie Hatfield, Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, Chrissy Nicholson. I have met Lillian Harry French, as seen as in reality. M Dash, Maeve, Maeve Holyhan, Molly Fraser, Megan Roberts, Tigerific, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion. I've met Perpetual Motion. Pierre Feneux, Rachel Evenheim, Rachel Fairley, Rachel Phillips, Ragdoll, Rianne Rivers, Robert Knowles, Robin Cabot, Sarah Ferrer, Igerset, Sarah Alette. Sarah Brazel, Sarah Plumer, the four Sarah still winning, Susie Tyler, Victoria Greer, and Victoria Layton. Uh, thank you so much for supporting this podcast. You, you amaze me. Thank you to Dave Pickering for editing this episode, to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, and to Justine McNichol for the logo. This podcast was produced by Dying Alone Limited. I will speak to you next week. Bye! Oh, pie.